The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cabby Productions. Hello, and welcome back to The Conquest of Bliss. I am here with Tara. Um, I was going to say your last name, but I realized I didn't ask you ahead of time if I was uh, if that was cool. So I'm going to go with Tara um, from Montreal. How are you today, Tara? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I am very excited to talk to you. Tara and I have been friends for, well, I mean, I feel like maybe it's a misnomer to say we've been friends for 12 years, but we've known each other for 12 years and we've have known each, each other. other every, you know, five years or so in that space. <laughs> uh, yes. We check face- in. I see your posts on Facebook. So <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say we're Facebook friends, which is basically the same as regular friends. Um, and uh, yeah, so so are you still in Montreal or? I'm not actually. So I left Montreal uh, five years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. You spent some time in um, the Congo? Yeah, so that's kind of, I've been going around the last couple of years. Uh, I just got back in April. I was in the Congo for three months, uh, working on an Ebola project there with Doctors Without Borders. Wow. Um, and yeah, so I'm kind of seeing, my nursing career has kind of taken me a little bit all over. So um, yeah, it's been an exciting couple of years. That is crazy. Yeah, I see I see your posts and I'm always like, wow, what an adventure. <laughs> like, I mean... I don't, and of course, like, <laughs> of course, I, we didn't, you know, discuss too much ahead of time. So, um, so you've been nursing, you said you've been nursing for five years? Um, no, so I've been nursing for eight years now, uh, okay. but I started off my career working in emergency uh, in downtown Montreal. And then uh, five years ago, I went up north to work in First Nations communities. Okay. And I kind of, I've uh, been here ever since and just taking, I've taken two breaks to uh, do Doctors Without Borders and then I come back up north. Wow, that's cool. So, um, yeah, I don't, uh, that's, when you say up north, you mean in Quebec? Yeah, so right now I'm in Chisasabi, which is about a 16-hour drive north of Montreal. Okay, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's always so yeah. weird to me, like, how huge Quebec is, or Quebec, I don't know how you say I know. it. I mean, I'm, you know, like, the least French um, I was like, je ne parle pas You're from BC, you can say it however you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so um, in, in the community that you're in now, just curious, um, is, it, is it predominantly French, English, Cree, um, like the language? Uh, it's Cree as first language, English as second, um, and then there's some French here, mostly um, survivors of residential schools oh. uh, speak French. And a select few people who studied uh, out of city. I was I was just talking about um, the horrors of residential schools to my brother yesterday. <sighs> it was like ninety seven was the last one um, in BC. So recent. Yes, too recent. Yeah, like yes, like because like I, I was talking to my brother and I started crying because I said ninety seven. I said so someone who was five in ninety seven would be two years younger than me. like like that. Oh, I'm gonna get all teary thinking about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. The trauma is fresh. Yeah, and uh, it's just horrific. I don't, I don't know much about it on that side, uh, that side of the country, but I imagine that it was, it was probably not much better. Um, no, oh no. <laughs> um, I, I didn't expect it to go in this direction. Immediately, start crying. Yeah. Ooh, took a turn. Um, I, yeah. yeah. So I guess, um, I guess. No, that's all right. It's rough. So. One of the things um, that I'm curious about. Uh, since you've you've been able to spend time um, with, I mean, of course, Montreal is already a pretty multi, a very interesting city because it's got 
the French side and the English side kind of meeting together and getting along sometimes and not so much others. Um, and then, you know, being in, I can't remember the, the name of the city that you said, Sassabee. Chisassabee. Chisassabee. Yeah, Chisassabee. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and then you've been in the Congo and then Gambia or something as well. I can't remember what other country you said uh, or you, I saw on your Facebook. I was working in a Central Central African Republic. Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't even know that was... Which is a country that almost no one's yeah, heard of. I was going to say, didn't even know that was a country. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, it's on the map, but they yet to have an, a, really a full government in the country. So, oh, so it's not really... Yeah. It's, it's official, but not really official. I get you. I get you. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so I would ask, like, um, do you have, like, I, I think, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you would have some unique insights into what the concept of happiness looks like um, amongst some, some pretty radically different cultures. Um, so, well, I mean, I have my lived experience of it. Yeah, but, I guess that's, that's really um, what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess when, you know, when you first started doing these, these forays into worlds outside of the one that you were raised in, um, can, you, can you think of anything that you noticed that was a, a stark difference in how the concept of happiness was interacted with in, in either of those communities or any of those communities? Um, yeah, so it's a difficult question. I think more specifically in Central African Republic, um, I think when I got back, I had a lot of friends and colleagues being like, oh, you know, but did you find that people there were more happy with the, the life is slower, it's more simple and people find joy in the little things. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, I was working in a hospital in a conflict zone. So, oh, yeah. Uh, I didn't see that happiness. Uh, it's not to say that it doesn't exist, um, but I think, you know, happiness is sometimes I mean, it can come in little moments, but I think general like well-being, mm -hmm. like overall feeling happiness on a day-to-day, -day, it's a privilege. For sure, for sure. Um, if you don't have the the basic physiological state of mind, maybe but met. Yeah, yeah, and it's not to say that uh, you know people weren't necessarily happy, but it's hard to be happy when you're. Happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, that and that makes sense to me. Um, and sometimes it can be very easy to for for people like you know people like like me, um, I can really only myself, but um, it can be really easy to forget that things are different um, in other places because we see it, we see it, like, you know, when, when we see the news on the same device that we see fiction on, it can be very easy to mix the two up in our, in our heads, you know, like it doesn't seem like reality. Um, yes. yes. And then for a stark contrast, I mean, where I was just in, in the Congo, um, which was also, I was in Mombasa, which is in the North Kivu province, uh, which is also quite poor, but the land is just so rich that I really didn't see any malnutrition when I was there. And I did see a lot of joy, even though there was poverty and sickness, um, people weren't hungry. And I think that makes a huge difference in being able to have joy and be joyful in your daily life. Absolutely. That, uh, yeah, I, so I'm still thinking about, I'm still thinking about the, the thing you said before. Um, the, yeah, the, the, I, I've always a guest, I guess, is really the only way that I can phrase it where it's accurate. I've always like kind of had a, a sense that if your basic needs were met, the rest of the stuff that we pile onto our lives is, is actually taking away from our happiness instead of giving it, you know, the consumerism or whatever you would call it. I don't know what the, just the excess, um, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, obviously just a theory as far as my experience, because I've, I've never taken everything away and just lived, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And that's the thing is we'll never really know, right? Because even if we go off and take everything away, our innate privilege um, as Canadian citizens mm -hmm. means that even if we get into a pickle somewhere out there, we'll still be... We still have protections and privileges safely. that come with us everywhere that we go. Yeah. Yeah. So we can just never be in that frame of mind or on that level. Yeah, that, uh, that makes sense. Um, and, and I guess that's a, a question that I would ask you then, um, since the conversation's leading there, is how, uh, how, do you, how do you deal with, with knowing that you have that privilege? Like, I mean, it's obviously it's very unfair. And when you're face-to-face -face with people who don't have it on a regular basis, how do you, how do you reconcile that, you know, in yourself? Is, is that, you know, what drives you to, to give of yourself? Um, I think I'm just I'm just grateful for it while while I'm having it, and I think you notice it a lot more when you're surrounded in an environment where you're the only one that has it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of come back home, and, you know, you go back to your daily life, and you're like, oh, they didn't have this at the grocery store today, and, <laughs> and forget easily and quickly. It's quite fleeting. I would yeah, say. I could I could see that. I mean, I definitely don't. Um, I don't think about my privilege very often, and I know that that's that's an intrinsic part of having that privilege. You know, I know. Um, I know one of the one of the first times that the idea of these privileges ever made sense to me is someone someone said like, you know, privilege is never having to think about privilege, and I was like, oh. like you know, like never having yes. to think about like, is this because of X, you know? And I just thought like, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and and so so what? Can you tell me a little bit about what led you there? You said you were an emergency room nurse. How did you? You know, how did you end up in um, Chassas? I'm sorry. Chassasby? Chassasby. So I guess I've always been a bit of, yeah, like an adventurer or a thrill seeker or, I don't know, looking for the next thing. It's always kind of been in my personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, when I, I had, I knew some colleagues who had worked up north and who just said that it was a really interesting experience and I kind of already been doing the same thing in emergency for years. So I was like, you know what? Just try something new. And then I loved it. <laughs> so <laughs> so I stayed. And then Doctors Without Borders, how did you end up hooking up with that? Was it just, was it something you sought out or did it come to you? Definitely sought out. So I think that was one of my goals. Since I went into nursing school, I had always uh, been able to international humanitarian work. Mm -hmm. um, just in terms of like, I mean, even growing up as a kid, I grew up one of the most I was more privileged even than a lot of the people around me. So I think I've always been, yeah, in a way aware that, actually, I don't know where I'm going with this thought. Um, <laughs> it's okay. That's that's my whole my whole life. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, it's something that I always wanted to do. Um, and so, I mean, in order to do Doctors Without Borders, uh, if you come from Canada, uh, you need emergency experience, and then they recommend working in a first community beforehand. Oh. Um, part of it is for the experience, mm -hmm. um, because similar types of work uh, in terms of the nursing role. And then I think part of it is also, um, you know, work in your own backyard before you go to someone else's. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, especially especially when you're dealing with, you know, like you you're talking about before, like the the privilege and stuff like that. Um, you know, when you see that it's going on, you know, some some of the stuff that goes on in our own countries, it can shake that perception a little bit. So that makes sense. Yes. Um, uh, sorry, a little bit a little bit off topic, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just interested, and I'm I was so jealous at the time. So um, you know, in Montreal when when we were you know uh, in <sighs> whatever. <laughs> Um, I like, okay, anyways, you went to Outward Bound and I was, um, 
Was that, was like, can you tell me a little bit about that experience? I know it was like a billion years ago. Oh my gosh. So first of all, I'm really sorry that you didn't get to go and you have good reason to have been jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, It, uh, yeah, it's too bad that they couldn't send more kids, you know, because I think, uh, yeah, for a young adolescent with behavioral problems, um, I think it's just a great way, uh, a great thing for kids. So, I mean, for the Outward Bound program that I have done was a 21-day canoe camping northern. Mm -hmm. And I still look back on that with such fond memories. And I've gone on trips kind of chasing, I think, that same experience. Uh, I went canoe camping with a girlfriend in BC uh, two years ago. Oh, nice. Um, And I'm just, I've been, yeah, I feel like I've just been chasing after that experience, actually, for like the last, like, you know, almost 15 years, 10 years, or I'm bad with time. Yeah, I think, I think um, it was 2008, 20, it's about 12 years, about 12 years. 12 years, thank you, thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well. And I think I've still been trying to recreate that. There's something so peaceful, spiritually, about just being out in the woods for a month. You know, not a weekend, not, you know, a couple of days, but really like a full month. Well, yeah, like, so, so, um. Yeah. I was actually supposed to go with you guys and then my parents divorced um, and and just the timing of it, I didn't end up getting to go. It was, it was a, you know, you know how things were complicated always with all of us. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I remember you guys coming back and I mean, I will never forget your face, Tara. You had the, well, you already have the biggest smile. Like your, your smile like is just like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like you just have the best smile ever. But it was like that, like, but like exacerbated crazy. Like, like you just looked like the happiest person I'd ever seen in my life. And I swear to you, sometimes I'll just be like walking around the woods and I will just think about that. Um, just like that moment where, you know, standing on the back step near that gazebo thing. And I saw you and mm-hmm. Catherine and I don't remember who else. I just remember you and Catherine. I think it was just the two of us. Yeah. And then, and then girls from other programs. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like I said, it was just, it was, it was a cool moment, even though I didn't get to experience it. It was just a cool moment to see the, the joy on your guys' faces. Um, so can you like, so I know you guys went canoeing, but you also did a day of isolation, right? Yeah, we did. So we, they canoed us out onto our own little island, a tarp, a little bag of like granola and cheese <laughs> and a pen and paper. And they said, we'll be back in 24 hours. <laughs> uh, and some rope. We had a way to tie up our tarp. Um, and I'm like, did I have a sleeping bag? Like probably, but I don't remember it. Um, and yeah, they just told you to just kind of sit there and, and write. And what was a cool part of the experience was that they sent you the letter that you wrote yourself six months later. Oh, that is cool. Um, so you got to write whatever you wanted to yourself. And then six months later, you get it in the mail as a little, you know, reminder of the joy you had and also just a little check-in to see what was on your mind then and That's where you're at now. So, so cool. Do you still have the letter? I do. I have it. I have a memory box um, where I like to keep little papers and tickets and I don't know what other things that I probably don't need and will never use, uh, <laughs> but I have it in there. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. If uh, like, do you, do you find like, have, when was the last time that you looked at it? I think the last time I looked at it was probably when I put all my stuff into storage five years ago. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. What a, what a trip. When I packed up my apartment 
kind of went through everything. <laughs> so, um, so like, yeah, so you said that's kind of, you know, you've been chasing that. That's kind of been maybe the spark that like founded your adventurous spirit. Yeah, you know what? Like I had never put that together. And as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, maybe that was like my élément déclencheur, you know, it was my like, uh, <laughs> that's what set my whole life on this course, that one canoe trip. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, well, and that makes sense. And I often look back um, to, to the time in Portage and think if I hadn't gone to Portage, I would, I have no idea who I would be. Because it's definitely the, you know, fancy French thing that you said where it set my life on this this uh, this course <laughs> as well. I, I do not speak French well enough to even try. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, uh, I, I, I can easily pinpoint, like even things like cleaning. Like honestly, every time, every time I sit down and do a deep clean and like this is for like, a, like over a decade now, every time I do a deep clean, all I can think about is like, you know, Matthew walking around being like, I don't hear you talking, you know, and like, and just, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think now still when my room is a mess, I'm like, my space is a reflection of what's going on inside. And I'm like, okay, okay. I need to like clean this up, clean this up, fold my clothes. (laughs) And like the slogans, I hear the slogans in my head all the time. Oh my God. And yeah, I mean, you know what though? Like I- Only you can do it, but- you cannot do it alone. Yeah. <laughs> no free lunch. Yeah. Well, and I, I honestly, yeah. like the rebel in me, like whenever I don't make my bed, like I'm like, that's right. I don't have to make my bed. <laughs> Cause like I was always a little. Oh my gosh. I have such a type. I have such a type A personality that uh, I live with my partner now and uh, he's not a bed maker, but now, now he's a bed maker <laughs> because I'm like, we are we are well, we are good. So we have to make our bed, you know? <laughs> well, and I, I would, I used to make my bed a lot, but now I have this weird little situation in, I live in this, like, um, you would call, I don't know, like a micro suite. It's like a micro studio apartment. And my, oh, I, I don't have to be looking at my bed. I'm like turning around away from the mic so that I can point to it as if you can see. Um, <laughs> my bed rolls into the wall. So that's great for like functionality of space and stuff, but because it rolls, it only rolls out about halfway. So in order to make my bed, it's like a nightmare. It's a nightmare because I have to like crawl and like, yeah. So, so it's a really good excuse for me to not make my bed now because now I just roll it away and no one sees it, including me. And then before I go to bed, I straighten out my, my blankets. And yeah, I mean, I like, I like the feeling of making your bed because it feels like, it feels like things are done, you know? Like it doesn't, you know. Yeah, you're like my life is together. Exactly. Like, look at how freaking no adulty what I am. Today, um, no, seriously. Any day where I'm able to like make my bed, eat a salad, and go for a walk, I'm like my life is together. You know, I'm a functional human being. <laughs> <laughs> that yes, I I love. So, is there a lot of forest around where you are right now? Um. So yes and no. Uh, there is quite a lot of forest, but the community is also quite large. It's kind of this community with forest around us, okay, but not necessarily like right in my backyard, so to speak. I gotcha, I gotcha. How um how big is the community, like uh, population wise estimate? Uh, I think we're going on six thousand people. Wow, that is that is large. That's the same size as the town that I grew up in. Um, oh wow! Yeah, only it was northern BC. Yeah, it was about about. I mean, it's three to six thousand people, depending on you know the week and how many how many mills were open and stuff. Um, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when you said you came uh, came over to BC to do a canoe trip, which part of BC were you on uh, the West Coast Trail? I went to Powell Lake. Oh, Powell River. Powell River. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh that's on the mainland, but out of the way of everything. 
Um, that's where I want to go to do a bowyer course. Yeah. So I- <laughs> What's a bowyer? A bowyer is someone who makes like bows for bows and arrows. And I really want to learn how to do that. Because like in, in my heart, I'm know. a warrior yeah, woman. Yeah, I mean, that has to be a thing. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, in reality, I'm not a warrior woman, but in my heart, I just love the feeling of... Uh, as soon as you have your bow, it'll be a reality. Yeah, well, I have a bow. I have a bow, <laughs> but it's just not like a handmade you bow. You know, it's just like a normal... It's like, I think maybe even a yeah. kid's bow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. Tell me more about the canoe trip. I just got really excited. Yeah, no, legitimately so. Um, yeah, so I went out with a friend. We had both been doing uh, our bachelor's of nursing online through University of Victoria. Mm-hmm. So we flew out to uh, go to our graduation. Um, and and then we took to the woods afterwards to celebrate, you know, four and a half years of working full time and studying while at work and just getting her done. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. If ever you're in BC again, hit me up. And if you're not too too far, I will come see. Um, because wonderful, yeah. Because yeah, like I just I think that it's been so long. Like it's got to have been. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've actually seen you. I think I've talked to you a couple times, but I don't think I've actually seen you since Montreal. Um, so like. Yeah, yeah I don't think so either. Which is crazy because I've been out to BC a few times, but I'm just sometimes bad at reaching out. But I definitely will next time. Well, yeah, and, and honestly, then. I've been to Montreal once, and I didn't. <laughs> So it's okay. It's okay. It's both of us. Um, um, did, have you seen? Yeah. Have you talked to to Nusha at all? I, I thought about. It. Um, not recently. No, Fair unfortunately. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I saw her um, at Aaron's funeral. Okay. Yeah. We bumped into each other once in Montreal. After that, about it. Yeah. I, uh, I hadn't. Um, I actually hadn't heard about that until I think six months or so after it happened. Um, yeah. That's. Um, yeah, because you guys, you guys were close before before that happened, right? You guys were close for like yeah, the whole time. I, I had actually been up. To, I was out in BC visiting him. I visited him like two months before he passed, so I'd seen him quite recently, for better or for worse. I think for better. Yeah, I'd seen him. I'd seen him a few times. Um, you know, uh, when he moved out to be, I saw him a few times. Um, we'd hang out and stuff, but I mean, we. I just think we were living different lifestyles, and we didn't have that much in common anymore but he was my big brother in the program yeah. I don't know if you knew that um, and you were my I big sister it. weren't you uh, I think so <laughs> just like as I was saying that I was like wait a second <laughs> wait a second it's true I think I was a terrible big sister because I barely even remember so I'm- honestly I don't think any of us knew what we were doing in any aspect um like I, I think that oh, that program is so cool I'm so grateful that everything happened the way that it did um as far as like programs and stuff. Cause I mean, first of all, they shipped me 2000 kilometers away from home, like all on the, the government's dime. Um, and then like the BC government um, shipped me 2000. And, and like the program was so perfect. Like, I don't think I could have, could have gotten clean in a, uh, in a 12 step program. I don't think it would have worked. Cause I was so like, um, like I had so much religious trauma and stuff that I think even the idea of a higher power, I would have rejected immediately. Interesting. I definitely, I feel you on that. I, you know, I had gone into some 12-step programs even after the program just to, I don't know, looking, I guess, for some ongoing support as I was still building my own new support system. Mm-hmm. And it just was not my vibe. I mean, it's a great program. It helps, you know, thousands of people around the world, but I just cannot get on board with the higher power stuff. It just rubs me the wrong way. Me too. Me too. So like, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, the non-12-step programs are so rare. 
Um, you know, like, I mean, most, most programs are, are based on that and I have no problem with it. Like, like you said, it works for thousands of people. I absolutely think whatever works for you to get your life in order, whatever method you can you take. Cool. Like, I think that's perfect for, you know, perfect for other people, but I, you know, I don't like anything that like requires that you believe a certain way in order to get, get salvation for lack of a better term. Um, yes, yes. You know, it's, it's like, it's like you have to trade your freedom for your wellness. And I don't, I, I just don't like that. And it's funny because I do believe in a higher power. I just don't like the idea of having to, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I totally know what you mean. <laughs> and even, you know, the, the big book, I mean, me now that I'm a little bit older, I could go back and see that it always says he and there's no she's and I could probably, you know, let it go. But for me, when I was still a teenager and I was, you know, fighting whatever cause I felt at the time, I mean, I was just so pissed that there was no she in the whole book and that this was supposed to be, you know, my book. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good point. Representation is so important. And it, it can be hard, right? Because sometimes you can only represent one group or one person at a time um, in order to do it effectively. Like you can't, you know, if you try to paint everyone with the same brush, it's never going to work. But at the same time, it's just so important. I have a dear friend that's a doula and she's talked about that a lot. Like she had to do these like book critiques um, for her for her courses. And, you know, multiple times the critique included this does not include like a huge number of people that would fall under this. Like whether it's, you know, not including fathers in in uh, in the um, postpartum care or not including, you know, um, trans men you know, who get pregnant and all sorts of different things. And, and I just think, you know, it, it's a good point is that if you don't see yourself in a, in a doc, not document, but in, in a program of whatever sorts. In a text, yeah. Then, then it's not going to resonate with you, even if it applies. That, yeah, like that's, that's a solid point. I was trying to, yeah. I said a lot of words to say something very simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so great program for other people. Definitely, we lucked out again, with all our privilege and stuff that we got to get to this, Mm -hmm. go to this great program. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there, privilege is right. You know, there's, uh, I mean, even if you just look at, look at the program, you know, there was definitely patterns of, of demographics that got to attend. I mean, there was obviously some people that fell outside of those demographics, but there was patterns easy to see. Um, so yeah, we were, we were really lucky. And I mean, and it it was also cool because like, I, I feel like, you know, the, the ability to, to, public speak, the ability to, I mean, obviously the discipline was crazy. Um, you know, three to four times a day, we'd clean that whole building, that huge building, <laughs> you know, but, but the, yeah. the life skills, like, I mean, on, honestly, like my parents, they did a great job in a lot of ways, but they did not teach me very many life skills. And so most of my life skills originate at that point, 2007, 2008, Montreal. You know, my ability to clean, my ability to cook, my ability to interact with other human beings um, in a healthy way. My ability to time manage my time effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm still bad at that, but I can't imagine if I hadn't. Got- okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what a, what a crazy world. And like, okay, so I'm going to ask you, and maybe it's different for you because you lived in, in Montreal, but I'm just curious and I don't get to, uh, to ask a lot of people. When you look back, on that time that was so, you know, emotionally intense and intensive discipline and like packed with things to do and all of that stuff. Does it ever seem like it was like, like it's separate from the rest of your life? Like it's almost like a book you read once more so than reality. Like you can remember, cause that's what happens to me is I'm like, like it, it's, it's so disjointed 
from the rest of my life in a, in a good way. I wonder if you experienced that as well. Mm-hmm. It definitely, I know what you mean in some ways. Um, it was really like my life, like my life was happening. And then you just kind of dropped into this like other setting mm-hmm. and your life just completely changes overnight. And then, and then you leave it eventually. Mm-hmm. And you go on with your life again, you know? Yeah, like it's just this, it's like like this. <laughs> random chapter that was inserted. Like if you're reading a book, you'd be like, what, why did they do that? You know, like just like a 90 degree turn for a while and then just... It's like its own little... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's this own little space and time in the world where, I don't know. Well, yeah, and everything is on hold. Like the world keeps going on around you, but everything is on hold. Like nothing was normal. We weren't allowed to listen to music. We, we weren't allowed to drink coffee. You know, we weren't allowed to wear makeup or wear our hair down. I forgot. And they're a lot less strict sure, had now. to cover your butt. Yeah. And I went back one day <laughs> when I was in Montreal when I totally didn't call you. Um, (laughs) I I went back and they had me talk to the girls about, you know, my life now and stuff like that. And it was cool, but it was completely gender separated. And the girls were allowed to wear makeup, wear their hair down, wear like normal clothes. And, and I, I remember thinking like, I wonder, I wonder if it's better. Like, I don't really know, you know, was it better to be more strict or is it better to be more loose? I don't know. Terms like tight and loose. That's definitely, you know, comes directly from Montreal. Um, or from Port yeah. I always call it Montreal, but you, you know, to you, to you, Montreal would just be a city, not, you know, an, like an isolated life experience like we were talking about. Um, yeah. But yeah, like what a... Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if it's better or worse. I mean, I'm glad that I had the experience that I did. And I think that, you know, when we talk about, because we talked a lot about image, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of, how do we see ourselves and how is that defining how the world sees us? Mm-hmm. And I think having that time and space to kind of let go of how you see yourself and just not try and put anything out into the world just to be raw. I think I think that was a great experience. So I'm having yeah. I'm having an epiphany. Um, so um, yeah, I <laughs> I'm having an epiphany right now because you know you're right. We did talk about image and about how letting go of that image to focus on ourselves is important. Stuff like that. And I is one of the many things that I clearly internalized but completely forgot because when I, when my friend, I had a friend who passed away, he was killed by a black bear um, five years ago. And immediately after that, I shaved my head, um, got off of Facebook, got off of everything and uh, like completely like started wearing super baggy clothes. And, and I don't think that I really realized why at the time. Now I realized that that almost definitely came from Montreal or from Portage. Um, because I like I was like I can't I can't handle having to focus on all of it so I'm gonna just completely take away my ability to focus on my looks and my image and all of that stuff so that I can deal with what I have to deal with and I am just like right now in this moment realizing that that is probably a tactic that I learned in Montreal and didn't even realize it oh my gosh that's so crazy but yes absolutely I think that that sounds like exactly what happened you're just like you know I can't deal with any of this nonsense. I need to like deal with some raw stuff right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I definitely look looked- super sorry for your loss, by the way. Oh, uh, I was going to say that's okay. I mean, it's, it's, thank you. Thank you is what I'm wanting to say to that. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, he was, he was a fantastic dude. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I miss him. Um, but I am now really good friends with his fiance at the time who I, probably wouldn't have known otherwise because like we would have met and had you know more of a competitive dynamic I think you know 
Um, so that's, you know, yeah. with, with loss, I, I find a lot of, you know, uh, new things grow from it. So I try to look at it that way. At least that helps me to reconcile my, my grief. Um, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Sounds very healthy. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I definitely try. Yeah. I, uh, I struggle sometimes, but are you okay with playing a game? Yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's going to be poorly described animals. And so I'm going to read you. Okay. Um, I'm going to read you the description of the animal, and then you just have to guess what it is. It's really simple. Um, and uh, right. are they like common animals? Yeah, yeah. So one of them is like formal chicken, penguin. You know, because they're wearing a tuxedo. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to struggle real hard. I'm ready, but like, don't judge me. Oh, I I won't. <laughs> I I mean, I'm lucky. I never actually have to be on the guessing side. Um, yeah. <laughs> giraffe bird. Flamingo? Oh, that's a great guess, but it was it was ostrich. Have a but long neck? I would yeah, I would take flamingo. Oh I would take flamingo for sure. Cause I make the rules and I say yeah, that's um <laughs> panda oh, whale. Black and white, but it's really big. Yeah, yeah. It's a or I mean it's actually a type of whale. I feel like this is a weird one. I just use lists off the internet, so No no idea. It's a it's a killer whale, an or- orca, is that what they're called? Or- Orcas? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I have no idea what that looks like. Yeah, it looks like a, a panda and a whale. Um, <laughs> um, Learn something new. Nope rope. Nope rope. Yeah. <laughs> Is that one word or two words? It's it's two words. Nope rope. Monkey? It's a snake. No. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> okay, this is this is gonna be the last one. Um, oh, yeah. oh, this one's funny, but okay. Uh, hot moose. Camel? It is a camel. Nice. No. Nice. Really? Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why I say thank you. I'm like looking at my, the dog is like begging me for a biscuit right now. I don't know if you can hear her. Oh yeah. That's okay. Hi. Hi puppy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, okay. So before we go, is there anything you'd like to, uh, to add, um, any advice you'd like to give people or things for people to think on, or is there anything that you want to plug really any, any way, anything you want to say as well? Anything I want to say, I would, if we're taking book recommend, yeah, I would really recommend reading the inconvenient Indian. Okay. Um, on our topic of first nations and, um, uh, residential schools and stuff of earlier. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing book that all Canadians, Americans should read. Uh, it's by Thomas King. Okay. Here, just give me one sec before um, we go on. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, thank you for waiting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, no, no worries. I mean, I don't really have any words of wisdom, but other people have ri- written things that have words of wisdom. So I usually go that route. <laughs> hey, you know, I think that you are very, very wise. That's why I picked you as my big sister. Um... <laughs> Um, I think you're very wise and I think that a lot of that wisdom comes from the humility um, which is dope so thank you very very much for for coming on and and chatting and shedding some light on some stuff that people maybe aren't thinking about I think that that is unendingly useful and is it to my listeners I love you bye (laughs) 